right, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of The Teardown. My name is Jeff Buck, and along with my coworker Jordan Bianchi. We are motorsports writers for The Athletic, and today we're here to talk about NASCAR, Formula One, IndyCar, even some SRX. And, of course, first we are going to start with the NASCAR race at Pocono, where the topic of the day will likely revolve around, and week probably, Jordan, <laughs> will revolve around Denny <laughs> Hamlin and Ross Chastain. Once again, Denny Hamlin wins the race, but not before uh, helping Ross Chastain into the wall. Uh, the, the degree of help depends on your view. And so let's just start off uh, and get right into it, Jordan. First of all, how are you doing? And what did you think of that whole interaction there? I don't think anybody cares about how I'm doing, so let's just skip that. Let's get to the good stuff. I thought Kyle Petty and NBC Sports had the great explanation, kind of breakdown of, of what happened. And I agree with that is Denny Hamlin cut Ross Chain Chastain no favors on that restart. He did everything he could. He didn't intentionally take him out per se, but he certainly put Ross in a position where Ross was going to have to make some decisions. And Ross didn't back out and hit the wall. And that's it's hard racing. It was probably deliberate to some level, but I wouldn't. Um, I wouldn't call it an intentional takeout, but I certainly think it's payback in a way. Um, I think the question really is, is this enough to check that box for Denny Hamlin to say, Hey, we're good. Or is Denny Hamlin still say, yeah, no, I still, I still, owe, I still got one coming. And I thought Ross Chastain's response out of the care center was fantastic because it was very much a, yeah, yeah. You know, he got me back. I, I, I deserve that. It's good. You know what? hundred percent. I get it. I deserved it for the last couple of months. My fault, not his. All good, buddy. We're good. Hugs, hugs. Yeah. And like, it's like, let's just put this behind us. Like, you know, yeah. Like whether that is or not, that's the question. And it's going to be fascinating to watch unfold. I think you absolutely nailed it with the Chastain response because, you know, it, it seemed to be like, yup, he got me. Oh gosh. You know, and he was, it. he did it. He got me. Shoot. Oh, like he sure hopes that that was it. Right. Like he sure hopes that he's done with it and it's not going to come up again when he's leading a race or, you know, particularly in the playoffs. Um, but I don't think that that was the payback. I don't think that was the, I, I don't think Denny's done with it. Um, personally, because I think Ross actually made that very easy on him. <laughs> uh, because here, here's, here's how I saw it, right? First of all, coming to that restart, I mean, it was the, the three of them, uh, Kyle Busch in the mix too, you know, Denny was kind of running behind Denny passes Kyle Busch and you're like, okay, well they're running one, two now. Then, then you get this restart and even Mark Martin was like, look, who's one, two on Twitter. You know, like it was like obvious everybody's watching this restart. Like what's going to happen here? Certainly that was in Denny's mind and certainly that had to be in Ross's mind. So from Denny's perspective, how I see that restart is he's going to say, okay, well, I'm not going to give him an inch of room. I'm going to run him super, super hard. And, you know, I'm just going to take the position on the track and not, you know, do him any favors essentially. Right. Like I'm, I'm just going to race the crap out of him from Ross's view. He's like, well, I've got to, I've got to just keep racing how I'm doing. I can't just back down every time Denny Hamlin's around me because then I'm going to just roll over every time without him even doing anything to me. So I have to keep racing how I'm racing. If something happens, oh, well. So they go into the corner off that restart. And, you know, Denny obviously is crowding him and not giving him room. But I don't think that Denny, you know, Denny didn't like smash him into the wall or hook him or, you know, spin him out of the lead or something like that. Um, 
you know, he kind of like ran Ross out of real estate and Ross ends up hitting the wall. Okay. So that's certainly like retaliation in the, in the sense of, okay, well, this is in response to the incidents that we've been having, but in terms of like the, I vow to get you back kind of thing. I just don't think that was it. I don't think that he, he, what he did there, they, you know, that, that didn't rise to the, like the Noah Gregson type level of blatant intentional payback, which, um, I, I don't think that he's going to do that, that extreme of something, but, um, the, the, what I've envisioned is, Hey, it's late at a road course race. Like maybe next week at Indy Chastain's leading or something. Denny Hamlin goes and just like never lifts in a corner and Ross gets taken out and goes off the track or something like that. That would be, that, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say, and if that is, that does happen. If I'm Ross, I'm cool with it. Like I'm like, Hey, we're great. You got me last week. You got me this week. Like I, you don't make a beef about it. You just let it go. Because him taking out in a regular season race, fine, whatever, don't care. You do not want it under any circumstances to happen in the playoff race, especially a cutoff race. And if that, if him taking off Ross ends this thing during the regular season, I am celebrating that for Ross. I agree with you. I mean, that's that's the best course of action is for Ross to just take his lumps. Now, let me acknowledge there's a lot of people out there uh, on Twitter who disagreed with my take, which I expressed on Twitter and, and just expressed here as well. So, um, you know, that means that a lot of people listening to this podcast are going to highly disagree with this. And they're going to say, Denny absolutely did it blatantly. Absolutely. That was the payback. And they don't like that move. I even saw some comparisons to Denny's move today to what Gregson did at road America, which I absolutely reject. I don't think that was in the same boat. Um, and I don't think the racers view that in the same boat. Um, one was like an intentional blatant takeout out of anger. The other was hard racing for the lead where I'm not going to give you any room and Hey, I'm going to put you in a position where you better lift. And if you don't want to lift, then you're going into the wall essentially. So, um, you know, I, I just don't, I, I think that was like, like you said, I mean, Kyle Petty put it so well. And I, I was like nodding my head in agreement at his take. I mean, it, um, I, I just didn't think it was, such a, a blatant like revenge move. It was just like, I'm, I'm going to race you very hard as a result of what's happening. So I acknowledge there's people that don't agree with us, but that's my view. And, um, obviously Denny said afterwards, well, what do you expect me to do kind of thing? Right. Um, but he also said, you know, I'm going to keep racing this way until I get respect. And I don't think as, as I think the TV broadcast said, one race is not going to, they're not going to, He's not going to feel like he got that respect back after just one race. He's not going to feel like he made his point. So, um, you know, cause it's obviously happened multiple times to him. So, yeah. And the only thing I say to that is, and I don't mean to get on a soapbox or anything is like, if I'm Hamlin though, I, I don't become too wrapped up in this. You know, I don't become too worried about this. Like I'm don't sit there and try to play judge jury and executioner, like just focus on you. You've got a championship caliber team. You, you have a, a route to the playoffs that looks manageable, I guess that probably the best word, like to the, the championship four. And so like focus on that. Don't get involved in the extracurricular stuff because I just feel like that can often be a distraction and it's an unnecessary one. And right now, five race to go in the regular season, fine. Do whatever you want. But when it comes to Darlington, the playoffs start, like just don't worry about vengeance and sending all these, you know, uh, what, you know, I'm trying to think of a word. I'm, I'm blanking here, but you know, all these scores, you know, like just don't care. Who cares? Let it go. Like, I think Ross Chastain is going to, that team is going to have its own issues in the playoff on their own. Cause it's, this is a new thing for them. 
just worry about you and what you do best. And the other thing along those lines is it's obviously a fine line when you wreck somebody, right? Because as we've, we, I mean, I think we feel that like had Noah Gregson just spun Sage Karam off the course and Karam not, you know, collected the half the field and done so much damage, you know, Gregson might not have gotten a penalty kind of thing. People would have just been like, oh, well that's, you know, payback kind of thing. But because it caused such a massive pile up that, you know, exacerbated the situation. So what you don't want to do if you're Hamlin is the next time you get Ross back or, or whatever, if, if you do something so blatant, you don't want to do something where everybody turns against you and Ross is like, well, now I owe you and now I'm really mad at you and I'm going to get you back again. And that cost Denny something in the playoffs as well. So and even in the regular season. So like you said, I think both of them need to get it over before the playoffs. Uh, there's more opportunities to do so. At least one box, small box has been checked, I guess, on Denny's part. I, again, I, I still feel like there's more to come. Um, and... Yeah, well, we'll see where it goes, but I I just don't, I, I, I agree with you that I don't see the point in carrying it on in the playoffs because that's just self-defeating and stupid at that point. So Agreed, and I, and I think you do cross the line. Like, there there's going to be some, and, and I don't know how Ross feels inside, but you could look at this and say, okay, we're, we're even now. You got I got you, you got me, you know, we're largely even. Now, if Denny comes back and does it again, feeling like he's the old one, Ross may say, wait a second. You got two on me. I only got one on you. Like you, you got one coming to you. Like it just don't escalate this. Mm-hmm. Just like just stop it right here. Like just go forward. Put us put a stop sign on this, and just we're good. Yeah. Well, again, I I think that um, it needs to be more of an. I mean, because Ross kind of again, he put Ross in a position to, you know, make a dicey move or lift or whatever, and and Ross ended up hitting the fence. But I don't think that was. It needs to be something more like, hey, I meant to do this to me. He did mean to do it, though. He I mean, he did mean to push him high and make Ross kind of push you think he, Ross into it. So you feel like he meant to send him into the wall on that restart? I think he put Ross in a position where Ross was going to have to make a choice. And I think Denny, maybe I'm giving Denny too much credit, but I don't feel like I am. Is Denny's a really smart driver, real smart, and he knows Ross's mentality. Ross is not a driver that ever lifts. When has Ross ever lifted? Well, and, yeah, I mean, he's saying don't race, you know. I don't know. Yeah, and he's he put Ross in a position where you have two choices: you can lift, or you can you know, or you can crash. And but see, I don't think so. that I don't think that that was. I mean, Denny, uh, to put a bow on this, I don't think that Denny would have done his revenge move where it would have been on a restart where you could take out a bunch of cars in the field. For instance, um, right after that restart, he comes on the radio and he says, "Hey, the four gave me a great push." He tells Chris yeah. Lambert, his spotter, hey, thank yeah. thank him for giving me a great push. And yeah. they're kind of like, uh, Gabe Hart and Lambert are like, um, it was awkward. <laughs> we'll it was talk so to you awkward. about that later. He's kind of so done now. Yeah. Then he had no idea about Harvick, and he was just sitting there, and it was like, it just hung there, like a bat, like, it was like, ah, uh, yeah. Like, you could like, see him, like, you could see, like, Gabe Hart, like, grabbing, like, the collar, like, kind of yanking on his collar, like, yeah. about that, yeah. Well, well, and then he goes, We'll talk about that after the race. Right, exactly. So I don't think it had occurred to Denny that uh, other people were potentially collected in that necessarily. But anyway, um, I don't want to come off as a, a Denny uh, like excuser. I'm just expressing how I feel about the revenge situation, uh, regardless of the drivers, just as it was with Elliot and Harvick last year, where I felt like, hey, I know it was Harvick's potentially last chance at a win, 
Um, but you know, to try to eliminate somebody from the playoffs, um, I thought that was like an overreaction. I wouldn't need to litigate that whole thing again, but there's examples of there's example. What my point is, there's examples of like the degree of when you do it, how you do it. And even if things may look similar, it the timing does play a factor in it. So that's all that's all I'm saying about that. But I go back to what I say just real quick. Um, I think I said this. I forgot when, but I said this a while ago is you need to be like the judge on this. I'm like settling feuds and deciding like who's even who, who who's got one coming, that kind of thing. You should be judge job. It really should be a thing. Well, I rule that this is not over. So perfect. That's slap that gavel. Again, a Boom. lot of people disagree, but I, I think it's not over yet. So uh, Denny Hamlin becomes the all-time Pocono winner, um, seventh victory there, passing the breaking a tie with Jeff Gordon. Um, great day for Joe Gibbs Racing uh, because not only do you have a one-two finish, you get all four cars in the top ten. Ty Gibbs, Joe Gibbs' grandson, uh, steps in to fill in for Kurt and does so very respectably finishes, uh, not only on the lead lap and has a clean race, but 18th, very extremely respectable. Um, so that was, that was quite a job well done. Uh, doesn't get much better for Joe Gibbs, except that you have this Kyle Busch situation completely hanging over you, which, uh, you know, Joe Gibbs afterwards in the media center said, I mean, he couldn't put any positive spin on it all and said it was discouraging. I think, was his word. So, um, aside from that, uh, pretty good day. Um, one, one thing I would like to note is, you know, Denny becoming the all time Pocono winner. I think that, I mean, you can probably say with a decent degree of confidence that record will never be broken because now that Pocono is going to one race a year instead of two, the opportunities for other people to try to get seven Pocono wins was that's like absurd to me. Like that, that would take a very, very long time and be very difficult to do. Um, so sort of like, uh, the, the door may have closed behind Denny there. He may get a, uh, a mark that cannot be matched, but, um, it also, uh, with his third win of the year, no new winner. Um, we've obviously been really stirred up about this storyline. Now there's only five races left, uh, for those new winners to pop on and really, uh, change the playoff picture. So, um, we were curious about how this one would impact things. And ultimately, um, the people up front were people we, we would pretty much expect all day. I would agree with that. Except if you're Ryan Blaney, like you, you, you had a tough day today and you lost points to Martin Truex Jr. And if you get one more, you don't want Martin Truex Jr. to pass you in the standings because he, he is that buffer. And if he passes you in the standings and then you get one more outside the playoff winner, all of a sudden you're on the wrong side of the cut line. So that, that to me was kind of noteworthy today. And really that team, and I would say Ford in general, with the exception of maybe a couple cars, Harvick, Harvick is the, one of the exceptions has really been struggling. Like they just have not had a lot of speed lately and it's, it, it's evident and they're going in the wrong direction at the wrong time of the year. Well, I, I agree with that. Um, you know, you, you would have had Harvick up there, but uh, you know, ultimately the only Ford in the top 10 was Michael McDowell. Um, and you know, you got to look at that as Ford and be like, uh Oh, um, <laughs> you know, as far as your like flagship teams, front row motorsports is not necessarily the one you'd think is going to be carrying the banner, carrying the torch. Um, Blaney had a good day going until his problems, a flat tire, then he spun and crashed. But like, again, like 
even as good as the four and the twelve were, they they weren't in the same class as the the eighteen, the eleven, and the nine. Yeah, no, I mean, Chevy has ends up with you know three different teams in the top ten. Obviously, the Toyotas. I mean, the Toyotas have really come made huge strides over the last couple months or so to where um, it's not just like a couple different kinds of tracks they're hitting on. They seem to be pretty consistently fast. Um, you know, you still got the Chastains up there. You've still got Elliott. Um, but yeah, I mean the, the Toyotas have definitely made big steps to where you're like, Hmm, one of them's going to be in contention every week, if not multiple Toyotas. Um, so that's certainly notable, you know, um, now going on the road course next week, that's their, that's their still seems to be like their Achilles heel. Right. Um, we, we haven't really seen them perform there very well at all, but, uh, if they can make gains there, that really would say a lot, um, about the speed gains they've made. But I agree with your point on Blaney though, because now he's only 22 points ahead of Truex in the standings. And that's not a very big margin at all. Um, and Truex has seemed to be running better, um, as this summer stretch has gone on, he seems to be getting his footing a little bit more. So, uh, I'd be worried about that. I'd definitely be worried about that. If you were Blaney, all of a sudden you went from, Hey, I'm, I'm running with chase Elliott for the regular season points title to, uh, Oh, you know, now I'm third in points. Now I might get passed by Truex. Now that would be the cutoff spot. Meanwhile, Chase Elliott is going to seemingly be on the way to, to clinch the uh, the regular season title early. He now has a 100-point lead over Ross Chastain. So um, It's over. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I agree. I agree. So Who's got a better chance to win the champ- Who is Is both Max Verstappen and Chase Elliott champions in their respective series? Is it over? Uh, is it for regular season for Chase? Oh, you're just saying regular season? Um, Chase is regular season. It's right. a done. So the question is really, is it max? Well, no, I'm not ready to go there yet. I know you are, but we, we could talk about F1 later. But no, I'm not I'm not quite ready to go to that, that degree. So, um, so I also want to talk about Kyle Busch, like his, his you know, we, we were thinking that his contract situation is becoming a big distraction. Um for much of the day, he looked like himself, right, today. Uh, he ended up leading the most laps, um, three times the amount of laps that Denny Hamlin led in this race. Uh, he didn't have, you know, the, uh, I guess, the speed to run with Hamlin at the end there. But it sure doesn't, I mean, you listen to Joe Gibbs, you see, you know, Kyle Busch's body language in that uh, video that NASCAR posted to them afterwards with Joe Gibbs walks up to him and kind of tries to give him a pat. And we've, we've seen that from Kyle before. Like he kind of just ignores Joe Gibbs. I've seen that plenty of times, but it just doesn't, it seems just so frosty right now. It just doesn't seem in a good place at all. And it seems to be dragging along. So what, what happens? I mean, what's, what's going to be the resolution of this? And now, now, you know, that you have Ty Gibbs go out and, and prove that he can, I mean, that, that's a big statement there. That if you're if, if you're Joe Gibbs racing and you're wondering, oh, I don't know, what do we do if Kyle leaves? And then you see Ty Gibbs and you're like, well, I don't know. Maybe we can just plug him in. Like maybe that becomes a more feasible option. I, I don't know. What do, you, what do you think goes down here, Jordan? I would be... <laughs> I think at this point, I would be surprised if Kyle Busch returns to Joe Gibbs racing. Really? I think it's gotten to that point from the conversations I've had with people. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I, I just want to, I'm not saying it's going to happen. 
I'm not saying that there could still be a path to him returning to Joe Gibbs Racing, but I think there it's already too far down the road and too much would have to fall in place for this relationship to continue for another year. One, there's the big thing, which is the sponsorship. We, we, it's been talked about a lot. They do not have sufficient sponsor for the 18 car next year. That is a huge piece to this puzzle that they do not have. And until you have that, how do you dictate what you're going to pay Kyle Bush? Kyle Bush wants, from what I've been told, a pretty hefty salary. He wants to be paid what he feels he's in line with. But that's not what the budget right now for that team is. And the fact that Martin Truex Jr. returned, which took away a huge negotiating chip for Kyle Busch, because now JGR doesn't have to replace two drivers. They only got to replace one, and you've got Ty Gibbs in your back pocket, which even before today, He's, he's shown in the Xfinity Series he's a talent. And then he steps in today and finishes 18th in a car that's really not easy to hop into with the shifting and everything else and finishes a really good, you know, has a solid day. Never had any like, laps in it. Never, never. Like, you're looking at this, and to your point, like, you're looking at this going, wait a second, you know, like, so you're just looking at this situation, and ultimately I think it's going to come down to from what Kyle Busch wants and what Kyle Busch wants to decide. If he just, he needs to look at the situation and say, okay, I'm with an organization that can give me a car capable of winning races and contend for a championship on a yearly basis. Okay. I know this. Is it worth maybe taking a pay cut long-term or just signing a one-year deal, a bridge deal and saying, forget it. You know, we're just going to come back next year. We'll figure this out a year from now. I'm going to kick this down the road. Is that the best course of action? Now, to me, from the outside, that would seem the best avenue. Like, I don't want to take a pay cut, but I probably need to because I'm looking at my options and they're not there. And it comes down to where you're going to go. And right now, there's there's possibilities. Maybe Stuart Haas Racing comes and, and offers you a deal and they'll put you in one of their cars and, and maybe you can go over there and continue your Hall of Fame career. But look at Stuart Haas Racing and what they have done the last, what would you say, Jeff, two years? Like, they're not they're not elite right now. They're struggling. So there's no guarantees. So I just think the way this is, unless something dramatically changes on either side, particularly Kyle's side, I, I don't think he returns. You know, it seems to me that Kyle is part of Kyle's unhappiness in this whole situation is I, I think that he always assumed like, look, because because it's happened before, as long as I perform and I win and I have, I am Kyle Busch. I have the talent. I'm one of the best drivers in history. Somebody's going to sponsor me. Okay. Like I've got an attitude. That's me. That's how I am. You know, I'm sour. Sometimes I'm salty. Sometimes not all the time, but you know, he's got his moments, right? And he's got a reputation because of all that. And I think that he always thought that that it wouldn't really come into play because Hey, sponsor me. I'm, I'm the best. Like you, what you want somebody that, that can win here I am. And I think he's sort of been like, what the heck's going on? Like, why, you know, why doesn't somebody step up? Like I, there's gotta be somebody out there that wants to sponsor me. I'm Kyle Busch. Um, I I'm elite, you know, I mean, and, and you would think that is true, but I think the sponsorship numbers environments changed first of all, yep. where you're not getting those massive, high dollar sponsors anymore. And number two, I think that it's, you know, 10 years ago, maybe the winning part mattered more, but 
you look at for somebody like, for instance, Ally, right? It from Hendrick Motorsports, right? Look at look at the kind of uh, marketing and branding they have. Um, they would never fit with Kyle Busch, you know, like that never. They fit with Alex Bowman, great. Like he's he's a great um, spokesman for them. They love Alex Bowman, right? But if you were gonna say, hey, let me go drive for Ally, like because they are trying to be you know, kind or inclusive and, um, you know, reaching out to all sorts of women's sports and all this stuff like non-controversial too. Yes. You're not going to have somebody that's sour and demeans people or, you know, take shots at people or, or whatever. That's just not, it doesn't fit their brand. So you've got to find a sponsor that truly doesn't care and truly has sort of like monster did, um, with that edge, but obviously monster, <laughs> is way out of the picture and has been for a while. And then Kyle Busch went and starts his own energy drink. So obviously something like that would never happen, but along those lines, along lines of like a sponsor that just is like, yeah, we're, we're going to take him and we're going to be, you need like a beer sponsor almost or like a, a hard liquor sponsor or something that has like a hard edge to it a little bit that kind of embraces that quote unquote bad boy image, if you will. But it's right? not even a bad boy image. It's like a uh, sort of unpleasant can I ask you something yeah. and, and I and I and I think Kyle Bush is an elite driver I think his talent is unmistakable but the numbers don't lie he's got four wins since the start of the 2020 season just four that's a really low number and again I, he's 37 he's in the prime of his career I don't think he's washed up by any means I think he's still going to win lots of races and championship but you do have to wonder though, as you go sell this, like, Hey, this is Kyle Bush. Like people look at that who don't necessarily know these things. They say, wait a second, this guy's got four wins in the last two and a half years. Like that's not quote unquote, an elite driver with elite stats. Well, I, I think that, you know, whether it was the rules package, um, of the last couple of years before this one or this new next gen car, I mean, you can see, just, just look at the difference between Kyle Larson's last year and this year, how much the driver, I mean, Kyle Larson's the same guy, right? He won 10 races last year. He has one win this year. I don't, he has the exact same team. I don't think a thing has changed with Kyle Larson. He's probably a better, wiser driver now than he was last year. Even, I mean, he was only going to get better at his age, but he's not being able to dominate and win races. And I think that this, the model you know, all the parody out there that makes it hard to be elite and really stand out and show your talent as a top NASCAR driver now. So that's part of the problem, right? Like you're right. Cause he doesn't have the stats anymore. And are you ever going to say, well, is he ever going to win 10 races a year again? Um, you know, is he ever going to win, you know, multiple championships and all that kind of stuff and just dominate? I I'm not so sure that those days aren't over. Um, I think it's going to be hard for people to win, you know, five races a year now. I mean, you've got two people with three, uh, but I, I just, I mean, this is a, this is a new NASCAR and that's part of adapting to it. Now that said, I still think he's perhaps the most rawly talented guy out there. I mean, Larson obviously would put a challenge to that as well. I mean, they're, those guys are in absolutely incredible world-class talents. I don't think he's lost a step at all but I don't think that this car necessarily allows him to show how good he is. So I guess in that sense, it's like, well, do we need to pay a driver so much money anymore when 
you know, we've got a cheaper alternative in our back pocket who maybe not is going to get us all of those like success, but like could get as close to that maybe. Yeah. And, and there's so much parody now anyway, like if you can get somebody that can just win one of 26 races and get you into the playoffs and then try to, you know, put enough around them to make a playoff run, anything can kind of happen. Right. Like, do you need to be throwing, you know, 10 million, $15 million a year at drivers when you could, I mean, how much do you think you'd have to pay Ty Gibbs? No, but that conversation too, though, this isn't a new conversation, Jeff, right. though, either. This is a conversation that's been going on for, I don't know, I mean, five, We saw six, this at Hendrick years. with Byron, Bowman. We saw it with Matt Kenseth at Joe Gibbs Racing. We've seen it a lot of different places um, where Casey Kane, you know, the list goes on of, you know, is it worth paying veteran drivers based on their past results because they're a big name or can you go cheaper out and is, is it better that way? It's, it's a weird dynamic because ultimately you say, well, you want the best driver at any cost, but it, there's so many other factors involved. That's not always the case. Yeah. No, I just, uh, I don't know. I don't know where this goes and I just don't see it ending well for Kyle because if he goes, I don't, I don't think he should leave Joe Gibbs racing if he wants to have the career, you know, he, he still has all these lofty goals, right? Win totals and championship totals and all these things. Right. And like you said, you go to even a Stuart Haas or, I mean, we, we know he's called everybody. He's called literally everybody in the garage. Right. Yeah. And, but how many teams out there can give the support he needs and are willing to deal with everything that comes with the Kyle Busch experience, not even just the sponsor, but the team personnel. I mean, it's a lot. Um, and I just, uh, I don't know. I, I, I think that his best bet would just be to say, look, okay. Yeah. I'm going to take a pay cut. And, uh, like you said, maybe it's a one year deal or something. It, I, I don't know. I don't know what, you, I just don't know what you do, but Brad. And let's say too, this isn't unprecedented. Brad Keselowski did this at Penske. Like Brad Keselowski had a free agent year a couple years ago at Penske. He went around and he looked at his options. Didn't like what he saw. Resigned one year deal kicked the can down the road. And then a year later, the Roush thing came up. He, re, you know, he takes ownership there. So re-signing for years, not a bad idea, especially when you look at the landscape and the number of prominent teams that are likely to have openings come 24. That's not a spot to bat, bad spot to be in if you're Kyle Busch. Yeah, I guess. But again, it, it still comes down to the money and you could say, well, I'm going to give people a year and they're going to come up with all this stuff. But I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it's a whole different world now. So fascinating, fascinating development. Um, Kurt Busch, his brother obviously wasn't able to be in the race. Um, you know, uh, look, you got to do what you do for your health. There's certainly worries about the car and whether it's been too stiff. Drivers have been talking about, you know, Hey, this is, we're, we're taking really hard hits here. Um, you know, even sort of innocuous looking hits or, you know, relatively so I guess. I, you know, I, I don't know. It's, it's kind of concerning to see, cause you go back and watch that replay and it doesn't look like that bad of a hit compared to other hits that we've seen, but I don't know. what you, what do you make of that? Um, and does that concern you for, you know, future wrecks? I think, I mean, you, you talk about this car and you've heard drivers say they, they feel wrecks in this car longer than they did before. They feel harder than they are. The data doesn't, if you talk to NASCAR, the data doesn't necessarily match up with that, where the, the, the hard hits of the driver's feeling aren't registering as like super hard hits. 
Um, I think it's important to say that Kurt Busch saying like, Hey, you know, I got, I know I got medically cleared the day before and, and I'm still not feeling well that like good for him for like, you know, saying, you know, putting his hand up in the air and saying, I'm not feeling well. I think the waiver system and this new thing of, Hey, we don't need, we don't want drivers racing with broken necks. Like Richard Petty did or taping their eyes open. Like Ricky Rudd did. Like we are way past that era and good for the drivers on saying, Hey, if I don't feel well, I must take myself out. And they don't feel like they have to race for the championship hopes. Um, it's something to be concerned about. I mean, it's just racing. And I think it even extends to IndyCar, to be honest with you. And, and Joseph Newgarden, who was in a wreck today, that was pretty hard wreck. And we don't know the what all entailed. But later, after he had left the care center, presumably be cleared, he fainted, right? I mean, if I have it right. And so, like, sometimes you don't know how a driver really feels until well after the fact. And I think that's something to keep in mind here when you set up policies and everything. Is like, sometimes you... You have to just, it has to go beyond just a regular care for center visit. It, you know, sometimes that's be hours, days later, just to kind of do follow-ups to make sure. I, I guess the problem is, um, you know, that there's, there's so many wrecks in NASCAR that can look bad and the person's perfectly well, fine. one today, man. But, you know, most of the time, 90 whatever percent of the time, they're completely fine. So, you know, even the next day, you'd be like, it, it almost seems excessive at times. Cause it's like, yeah, I'm fine. You know, like these cars are so safe. We almost get lulled into this, sure. you know, sense that there's nothing going to happen. But yeah, I mean, when you see something like that, um, it's definitely concerning. Now we'll, we'll talk more new garden in a minute. Um, when we get to the Indy car portion, but just to, to put a bow on the Kurt thing, the one, the one bad thing about the, you know, it, it is good. The one, or let me back up, I guess it's good that with this new system, the win and in system, you don't see, you know, you're not having these 10 guys, you know, for instance, try to make the chase and it's all purely on points. And if you miss one race, that's going to be devastating to your playoff hopes. So you see guys, you know, try to just tough it out and do these injury things. Now with the win and in thing, Kurt knows he's in, he gets a waiver. Um, the only problem is if there's 17 winners, could he get knocked out? He now today fell to a tie with Chase Briscoe for the last driver, um, the, the lowest driver in points with one win. So if there somehow were to be three winners in the next five races, unlikely at this point, but if the, you know, that, that could come back to bite him. However, he obviously did the right thing to his health. I'm not criticizing that at all, but, um, that's the one thing that you're kind of like, Oh, I hope this doesn't come back to bite him because then other drivers will say, well, I'm not going to sit out. I'm just going to try to hide this, you know, as people have done in the past. And, uh, you know, especially with concussion stuff where you can just say, Oh, I'll just race through it and not show anybody what's going on but that's obviously a really bad idea um, and can be very detrimental to your health. So um, let's just do the, uh, the good race poll real quick here, and then we'll move on to the rest of our uh, motorsports. Um, I was able to pick up uh, a win last week. You were way off, like 30 points off. I was hoping that the, the poll was going to be impacted again. Okay. And so, yeah, that was my strategy. So I got to go first here. Um, I don't think people are going to love this race. Um just, I mean, a Denny win, uh, Pocono, much of it just wasn't great. I'm just going to say 60%. That was my number exactly. Well, just go point one over. That's what I've been doing to you for no, four no. or five weeks. Yeah. Well, you're, we've already established that you're a less nicer person than I am. Um, I'm going to go because I'm not that guy. I'm going to go 62%. 62. 
Okay. Yep. 62 for you, 60 for me. At, at the SRX right last night, I was talking to a couple fans and they said, you know, isn't it funny how Jordan really, really hated the pole early in the season when you were winning and now he just loves the pole so much and he's coincidence. All, is it coincidence? Just a coincidence. Oh, okay. I was wondering about that. Yeah, answer that question. New me, new attitude. Okay. Well, let's move on and we'll talk about uh, F1 next. Does that sound good? Sounds great. Well, it looked like uh, Charles Leclerc was uh, <laughs> on his way to another great day for Ferrari after they had won a couple races and they had really shown speed that was very competitive. And, and you know, even though in practice they had um, seemed like some pretty good tired deg, uh, you know, they, they were he was out running Max Verstappen and it was like, okay, this is real. Like Ferrari has really made gains here. And, um, this is, this is something. And then, uh, this time he had, he really hasn't hardly put a wheel wrong, like all season. I mean, he's had a fantastic year. Uh, he's, he's performing at an extremely high level. However, he says today was his fault. He screwed up. He just lost it. Nico Rosberg on the broadcast could multiple times could barely believe it. Like kept saying, well, I don't think that's true. There must be something that broke. There must be some Charles said no. And then the, the message about the stuck throttle, um, I guess was like the, the throttle stuck, like trying to get to back out to reverse from the, the barrier, uh, according to Bonotto. So, and then of course there was other Ferrari things as I know you love to dunk on Ferrari and there was enough to dunk on with them. Um, with their, their radio messages to signs and their, their strategy at the end there, which seemed to give up a sure podium for a fifth place finish. Why, what were they doing? Um, and talking to Carlos, like while he was battling wheel to wheel with another driver. And he's like, I'm kind of busy here. Not now. Uh, it was just, <laughs> please give us your Ferrari take Jordan like a lit it's so comical like every week it's like spin the wheel how is ferrari going to lose a race they should win okay this week their stud driver who's been like you said near flawless every uh, every race this year hasn't really turned a bad wheel he's gonna crash himself out of the race while leading handily uh, and then and then we're gonna have these convoluted messages on it uh, to our other driver who's who's really on the move it looks like he's gonna have a shot at a really really good finish after starting in the back it's just i really i, I was having this conversation with somebody today like a couple of people actually were messaging me this i really want to make t-shirts that says ferrari's gonna ferrari i don't know if i can because of copyright reasons but i think if i can make those t-shirts i would have the opportunity to make a killing on this the other thing i'm laughing about is the fact that i went back to our conversation um after leclerc won last week or the last race and you were like, oh, no, this, this championship's not over. No, no, this could happen. He could come back, and this could happen. It's like, dude, this is over. Like, you're counting on Ferrari. To, you're counting on a lot of things to happen in Ferrari's favor. Like, it ain't happening. Like, it's over. It's 63. What is it, 63 points? Like, there's no way. No, see, I, I don't think that's necessarily true. I'm going to stick with that. Um, <laughs> look. <laughs> Would would Ferrari have to like? They gotta be stop? bullet. They, they gotta be bulletproof the rest of the way. I'm sorry, you please go ahead. The floor is yours. <laughs> okay, here's my thing though. So much in racing, yes, weird things happen, and you know Ferrari 
things happen to them all the time. But they have speed. I mean, they had they were going to sure. win today. Yeah. They, and 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 with with Carlos coming up from the back of the field after taking his penalty, um, I mean, they might have had. I'm not saying you know because Max still would have been up there. Lewis would have been up there because Lewis is driving really well right now. So they might have had like say like a one four finish or something, right? They would have had two top fives and won the race and beat Max. And you would have said, wow, this is really, I mean, this is, this is all changed. So yes, it is, it is a lot, uh, to assume they're not going to shoot themselves in the foot, uh, over and over again, um, for the rest of the year because they do it all the time every week. It seems like for the most part, but they have the speed. And so that's huge, right? Because again, like, Yes, Max has been, you know, pretty mistake free for the most part. He's had some reliability issues pop up here and there. Uh, he certainly seems on his way to winning the title, no doubt. But I, I don't think that it's over yet, just because speed wise, Ferrari's there. They are. So again, do they have a lot to clean up? Yes, they do. But if you have speed. All of a sudden, let's let's say, you know, next week, okay? Let's say Charles goes out, wins the race, Ferrari somehow puts together a good day. Let's say Max gets into it with Lewis and doesn't back out and they have like, you know, and all of a sudden Max DNFs or something. Okay, 25-point swing right there, right? And sure, but you need two more like, of those then. Okay, but it's... Over the course of the season, there's, there's still plenty of time left. I mean, this season, yeah, they have a month break coming up. In 11 races, you're going to need Max basically to have like two DNFs and then a third race, he's going to have to have a bad finish. Wait a minute, Jordan. We're getting some breaking news here. Uh-oh. We're getting some breaking news. Uh-oh. Hang on. I'm checking that too. Whoa. Look at Twitter. Yeah. Look at Twitter, Jordan. Here, here's okay. the breaking news, folks. <laughs> Go ahead. You Jeff. guys Go. already know this because we we've made it this far into the podcast. Both Denny Hamlin and we're just finding this out live, absolutely live right now. Wow. Uh, both Denny Hamlin and Kyle Busch disqualified from Pocono. Your winner is Chase Elliott. Wow. Five straight top two five, top two finishes for Chase Elliott now. Three wins in the last five races. Take, forget anything I said about Denny Hamlin. Like, it's all about Chase. <laughs> Let's completely backtrack. You know, sometimes we do this thing on the podcast where we say, well, the alternate storyline would have been, if this happened, this would have been whatever, right? Um, okay. Wow. So Chase Elliott's your winner. He's the first four-time winner of the year. The old, and now nobody else has more than two except for Chase Elliott. He extends his points lead even further. Hendrick Motorsports, everybody. Forget what we said about Toyota. Oh, great day yeah, for Joe obviously, Gibbs. Obviously, what we said about Toyota was the fact that we thought their cars were on the up and up. Obviously, NASCAR disagreed. And uh, wow. to de And that, that says something, though. Like This isn't just like two separate guys. This is two drivers from the same organization and everything where cars are largely identical. Like you, and this is not the first time this weekend either that NASCAR has come down on a team. They came down in GMS racing yesterday. So it does seem like NASCAR is looking for something. 
Well, I'd say I, and we, obviously we don't know what they found. This is, this is about as live as it gets. And, uh, I think we should just leave this in this part in here. And, I think like, we leave have the to. Whole we thing. can't. You can't erase then, what we said. I don't. I mean, in all seriousness, I don't change what I said about Denny Hamlin. Like, I still think he is one of the title. The guy is certainly in the title conversation. I think Elliot is the favorite because I would have said that before today. But holy Elliot, cow! Like, yeah, that's huge. Wait, I mean, have we seen a Cup race winner disqualified yet under this rule? I don't think we have. I don't think we've seen a cup race winner disqualified after victory lane and all that stuff. No, I think there's been trucks. Xfinity. No, we've right? seen an Xfinity. Yep. I'm racking and my second brain. place people. I think in, in cup, maybe that have gotten disqualified, but I don't think since this rule came in, I don't think that we've seen the winner disqualified yet. I mean, I'm sure chase Elliott is back in Dawsonville by now. I think chase Elliott's finish at like the 600 a couple years ago, wasn't it like a second or third place finish? Right. But DQ'd? I'm saying not, not the winner. That's though. what I'm saying is I think that's the high water. That's the high water mark for a guy getting DQ. Don't hold me to that, but I believe wow. that's the. Wow. This is a, this is a stunner right here. Um, it is. And, and the interesting thing is this win by Hamlin put him in a really good spot in the playoffs. And he was going to be the second seed, like as of today, which is a huge thing. Uh, playoff points and the like, and now you're getting to a point where Kyler Chase Elliott's year with the regular season title, the four wins now, you start adding up all these bonus points and playoff points and the like, like, he's in a really good spot come the playoffs. Like, you're starting hey. to like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I just thought of? Oh, boy. Ross Chastain's probably flying home on a plane right now. Tackling? And somebody so on, the, on a team plane back to Charlotte, and somebody opened their phone with the Wi-Fi and saw this how much would you pay to see Ross Chastain's face? No, 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 no. Not, not Ross Chastain. I want to be a fly on the wall when Kyle Busch gets the news. <laughs> well, forget Ross. Like, God bless Ross. I don't care. I mean, Ross is great. Ross is probably laughing right now and having a nice piece of watermelon. I want to be the fly on the wall when Kyle Busch looks at this and, like, he's like, and you know, he's throwing up his hands and th throwing, saying some not nice words. That's what I, that's what I want to hear. Yeah, but I mean, at the same point, at the same time, I mean, I guess he loses one playoff point because he won a stage, right? Yeah, uh, um, yeah, he won a stage. Yep. Yeah, so he loses a playoff. It's, point. What I'm saying though is like just add the adds on to the frustration that he's feeling right now. Like, yeah, but just, I'd rather see Ross. I mean, Ross Chastain, who just got like the payback or whatever for Denny Hamlin <laughs> wins and all this stuff, and everybody's dunking on Ross. Now all of a sudden, he opens his phone and goes, "Huh, huh, about that? How about that?" <laughs> Well, now Denny's really not done with it, right? Because he didn't even win. He that's finished last or that's whatever. A, that's the best point there. Does this now null and void the payback? No, I think, you know, the, the damage was still done to Ross. So Okay, fair uh, enough. Yeah, but Denny, Denny didn't get any satisfaction out of it, essentially. Oh, my goodness. So many layers to this. Wow. Oh, my goodness. I think we need, like, a poll of, like, who's more, who's laughing? Like, is Ross or Kyle Busch, what reaction would you want to see more right now? Do you want to do? Do you stick with your guess for the good race poll, or does this DQ somehow change the results of the good race poll as well? That's a really good question, man. That's the I would never actually, face this. No, well, it's been unprecedented a couple of weeks on this on the poll, so it's really just par <laughs> yeah. for the course at this point. Yeah. Uh, I'm actually gonna go. Can I go lower now? You can. You they they got DQ'd. We can throw we can out our DQ guesses our as answers well. too. We're yeah. throwing them out. Throw it again. I'm gonna go fifty-five percent. Oh, see, 
I would think that it's going to go up. <laughs> See, I was thinking the other way. Here, let me explain my thinking. Was like people are being like, "Well, I saw a great race, and Denny Hamlin had it." You know, like the finish I thought I saw, I didn't, and it didn't. It was kind of meaningless. And That's so true. Work- That's true. Yeah, you could be like, I watched, I just spent three hours of my life watching a race that that I didn't even see the result of. But Chase Elliott wins and Denny Hamlin, uh, who everybody dislikes, and Kyle Busch, they both finished last and second to last. People are going to be like, oh, this is amazing. I love that race. (laughs) So I think it would actually be higher. So I'll stick with my guess, my 60. What what are you going to say? I'm going 55. 55? Okay. Yeah, I'll stick with mine. I'm comfortable with mine. I like it. Um... (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, we could be like a respectable podcast and like re-record the first 40 minutes of this, or I could put like an intro on this to be like, Hey guys, just so you know, we didn't know this when we recorded, but I think this, we just have to roll with it. This is our podcast this is how we do it. It's as live as it gets, uh, with our instant reaction. So you heard our instant reaction, both to the race that we thought happened and now the DQ, which we still have no idea why. Uh, and we're like scrolling Twitter through all this as it's going on. Um, fortunately I have nice enough media friends to text me. Um, Nate Ryan, uh, thanks. Shout out to him. Chris Knight, shout out to him. Um, Nate Ryan said, hope you guys saw the DQ before starting the podcast. Nate, we did not. No, Um, no, 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 we did not. So, uh, shout out to those guys for trying to let us know, (laughs) but, uh, anyway, um, so we, can, that's all we have to say about it. Cause we don't, we don't really know what's going on F one though. Uh, so I, I, I do want to, to double back on the, on the Lewis Hamilton thing, because I have to needle you for saying Go that for Lewis, it. I deserve it all good. You know, you, you, you said that he was done had a fork in his back. Now I, I believe he's yes. Uh, George Russell is still, uh, higher in points, but Lewis Hamilton, I think head to head is, um, finished ahead of him. More races yep. this year now, possibly. Yep. Uh, on a podium streak too. Yep. Um, double double podium for Mercedes. The real interesting thing about this is, as bad as Mercedes cars have been, or you know, as much as they struggled, they don't have reliability issues. Um, you know, they're they're finishing. They're they're maximizing every point they can possibly get. They're playing the strategy uh, very well every week. And now Ferrari has to worry about Mercedes coming in and like Mercedes could potentially pass Ferrari as much as I was saying, Oh, the championship battle's not over yet. You know, Ferrari just, once they get it together, they could challenge, you know, Verstappen or whatever. And Leclerc could get back in it. But on the other hand, if they don't, and they keep being Ferrari, Mercedes could very well pass Ferrari for second in the constructor in the constructors. And wouldn't that be a heck of a story as well as Ferrari, uh, has looked at times, if Mercedes somehow finished second in the standings, that would be, Oh, that would be the ultimate Ferrari moment. Good point. And I will, in all sincerity, I think Mercedes deserves a lot of credit for coming back from the year that they, how they started this year, which was horrendous. And it was easy to make fun of them and their cars were horrible and they were so far out of the park. You had guys like me making bad jokes and Lewis Hamilton had a fork in his back. Um, but they have done a good job. Like they have, you I mean it's obvious their cars are much faster, and they have they're in contention now. Lewis Hamilton now is is kind of seems like he's knocking on that door, and good for them. They deserve that. They deserve the kudos. If we're gonna mock and ridicule them. They deserve all the kudos. I mean, they still it helps Lewis to finish second and on these podiums, and Mercedes to finish on the podiums when you've got Ferrari self destructing, you know, and, and they're they're kind of, they're taking advantage 
and I don't mean this is a backhand. This is like a backhanded compliment, but they're taking advantage of the circumstances. Other teams are having their issues, whether it's Ferrari, Red Bull, whatever, and they're taking and and Mercedes are not falling out of races because of reliability issues. Their drivers are largely not making mistakes, and they're they're making the most out of it. And that that's what you need to do. Yeah. Well, um, they say that uh, you know with uh, Ferraris. You know, they're better at cornering. Red Bull's better on the straights. And um, Budapest is more of like a cornering type track. So uh, that could favor... that. That's one that Ferrari uh, needs to capitalize on before the summer break uh, where they have a month off coming up, I believe, after the next race. So uh, that will be a big one next week for them uh, as they try to get back on the track and go into it with some positive momentum. Um I don't want to run out of time, so let's talk about um, IndyCar now, where, again, uh, developing situation, as you alluded to earlier. So Joseph Newgarden wins race one of the doubleheader at Iowa in dominating fashion. He's, you know, like the Iowa master, and he's well on his way to doing the same thing today. He laps up to, like, fifth place at one point and is just cruising. Suddenly, for whatever reason, um, something broke in the back of the car or snapped loose on him in a bizarre fashion. He crashes very hard, crashes out uh, in the blink of an eye, uh, seemed devastated afterwards, uh, you know, just almost like on the verge of tears. Uh, maybe that was something, I mean, you don't want to speculate, but some sort of, maybe he was woozy or something. I mean, it, you know, we've seen that. Um, because we, we say that because afterwards, apparently he was, uh, reportedly from the reports we've seen, whether that's Jenna Fryer or Nathan Brown, Nate Ryan, all of whom were at the IndyCar race, they report that, uh, he was in the motorhome lot It changed into his street clothes, uh, apparently collapsed or fainted, passed out, uh, and struck his head on the ground, um, and had some degree of like, uh, cut abrasion, split his head open, something like that. Uh, had to be helicoptered to um, Des Moines to a hospital there. So that's all we know at this time. Uh, they said, I think he was awake and alert talking to the doctors, but obviously a head injury when you hit your head on the ground, especially if somebody just collapsed and fell uh, with no, you know, nothing to sort of brace their fall. That can be extremely frightening. So uh, obviously Joseph Newgarden, um, extremely good guy. Uh, extremely talented racer, and you want to hear that, um, you know, he's going to be fine. Hopefully, uh, we want some good news there, but obviously, it's concerning. Um, you know, he goes from potentially sweeping the weekend, or he would have been the points leader, to now suddenly fourth in points. And, you know, with this head injury, I mean, just goes to show you in racing, you can just never take something for granted, even if it looks like, oh, this guy's going to run with Ray with this race. Things can happen in a hurry. So scary moment there. Uh, Pato Award wins the second race uh, instead. Big for him. And uh, the championship picture still very much up for grabs in IndyCar between Marcus Erickson and um, Will Power is right up there. And uh, Newgarden as well, still in the picture. So I think there's like four or five guys that still have like somewhat of a legit shot to get back in it uh, as their season starts to start to wind down. So uh, any any uh, reactions there, Jordan? No, I think you summed up well. I mean, Newgarden had the the field just blanketed, and he had a really great race Saturday. Followed up today with an even better race, and he was just running away with it. And it felt like that this was going to be one of those moments. You look back on the championship and say, "This is when it flips." Joseph went to Iowa, swept both races. Marcus was 
fine. He was running in the top 10, but not great. And this felt like Joseph was kind of asserting himself. And then it just flipped in a dime. And it's a really hard hit for a small track. And it's it just shows you, like you said, Jeff, things can change quickly. And it'll be interesting to see where this goes from here because this championship feels a little bit wide open. Well, I, and I also want to say about the IndyCar weekend, uh, obviously we weren't there, but from afar, it looked spectacular. I mean, it just goes, I mean, high V for those of you who maybe weren't paying attention to all this high V the grocery store there, um, in Iowa, they went like beyond all out with this weekend. And, uh, like not only did they put their branding all over the place and brought in temporary suites and had mega concerts, Tim McGraw, Blake Shelton, Gwen Stefani, Florida, Georgia Lime. Um, they had apparently like in all their stores, like all over Iowa, even mm-hmm. not even like close to the track. Um, they had huge displays letting people know the race was this weekend and big Jack Harvey stuff. And um, apparently like everywhere you went, uh, it was just like the race is coming, the race is coming. Nate Ryan had a, a picture of like, you know, where you put the grocery cart return things like in the parking lot. They had signage on there saying the race is uh, at Iowa this weekend kind of stuff. And, um, apparently they had like 8,000 employees or something there and, and, or at least sold a lot of tickets. It looked like it was a packed grandstand there, uh, huge crowds for both days. I mean, boy, talk about the difference that a sponsor can make in injecting life into an event. And that's exactly what IndyCar needs. You know, they need somebody from the outside to take an interest and come in and just blow it out of the water. I mean, Hey, NASCAR could use that too with some of their sponsors. But I mean, that's like a textbook example of how much of an impact that can make on an event. I mean, that's just phenomenal. It's what I talk about all the time. Like races should be events and you need the sanctioning body. You need sponsors. You need the tracks. You need all of these different entities coming together to make it an event. And they did it. And this is, this is a perfect example of pre-race concerts and post-race concerts that get people excited, not musical artists from 40 years ago that when they, they're playing their guitars. Dust is coming out of it because they're so old. Like, <laughs> it's like, it's just, that's what you need is like artists that people are like, all you could see was before the race, you saw all the social media videos. Like you had team members, engineers and drivers, like drivers, standing yeah. there watching, like that's damn cool. That's what you want. Like, I think every race needs like some of these new, like cool artists or something like that. But you need to move past this idea of it feels like too often that track series sponsors are catering to like the hardcore fan and those that is a very much a different demographic than what it needs to be and like there's a way to merge that together and and i wrote about this a little bit this week at pocono on the athletic where it's like it's okay to to give the old school traditional fans something they want and they deserve that but you also have a way to like cater to new fans and like and the right way to do it is to blend it all together and i think this is a great example of, of that yeah, no, I mean, when you if you're going to say, um, okay, there's going to be an IndyCar race where Gwen Stefani performs a concert and Mark Wahlberg is, um, you know, the, the yeah. Grand Marshal, and say, which race is that going to be? You'd say, exactly. I, I don't know, Long Beach or uh, yeah. Indy 500 or, I mean. And let me, can I throw this in there too? Like, and you talk about that, which is great because you're catering to the new fan. But for the old fan, you're saying, hey, by the way, that race is at Iowa Speedway. Classic bull ring. You're going to see great racing, short track. Like you're giving, you're giving it a little bit of everything. Yeah, no, I, I mean, it's, I think it's the perfect mix. Um, 
And that's what you got to do to bring in new people, right? Like you got to say, yeah, this IndyCar races this weekend. You want to go? I don't know. Well, Tim McGraw and Florida Georgia Line are doing concert one day and Gwen Stefani and Blake Shelton are doing the concerts the other day and we'll watch the race. You know, it'll be cool, short track kind of thing and be like, okay, yeah, I'll go check that out. I mean, yeah, why that's not? exactly, I mean, it's, it's brilliant. It's, it's fantastic. And obviously they had to spend a lot of money to do it, but, uh, I mean, it's gotta be worth it. You'd think, I mean, for all the attention they got and, and the goodwill. Um, I, I mean, I, I was very impressed by all that. So, um, and they had like Google was sponsoring one of their races too. Like, I mean, that's impressive in itself. So, I mean, really, really good job by IndyCar, both races on NBC, uh, big NBC. I mean, that's, those are, those are good moves, really good moves. So that was, uh, that was positive. Um, I wasn't able to watch anything on Saturday, whether it was the truck race, Xfinity race, um, the IndyCar first race, uh, anything like that. Cause I was at SRX in Ohio. I was doing a story on Blaney Palooza. Essentially they'll be coming out on the athletic this week, but, um, I did want to talk about, uh, some SRX stuff real quick. If you don't mind, is that, is that cool? No, I've got thoughts too. So, so this was the season finale of their second season. Um, Marco Andretti ends up, uh, winning the championship. Chase Elliott won the race. He was, he's now two for two in SRX. And, uh, it was interesting, you know, because, so I've been to three SRX race. Now I went to Stafford, um, Nashville fairgrounds last year. And, um, this one Sharon Speedway. And I tell you what, I mean, Sharon Speedway is like out in the middle of nowhere. I had like no cell phone reception. I mean, you're, you're like driving and driving and driving. And you're like, all of a sudden there's like a little sign that says speedway this way. And you're like, mm, really? Like you've seen, we were like way out there. And, uh, but yeah, it's obviously, you know, home of the Blaney's and Blaney country and all that stuff. But, uh, it just, you know, big crowd, uh, super high energy. It, it felt, it felt, uh, like an event. It felt like a big deal. Um, and it's amazing the, the, how SRX has injected life into these short tracks that way. Um, you know, it is hard to follow a little bit if you're there because I mean, I guess even on TV, people didn't know the points, <clears throat> um, you know, things like that. Like it's, uh, apparently the crowd didn't know they had shortened the race cause you know, they have to, it's a TV show. So they've got to be in that eight to 10 PM window. The race was supposed to be 70 laps. They ended up shorting to 50 and saying, Hey, 10 to go people in the stands didn't get that message though. So they, they're like, Oh, the race is over. Like, you know, um, so th th there was that kind of element that's confusing. And then of course, nobody knew who the champion was. Um, and we'll get into that controversy in a bit about the points, but you said you had some thoughts first. Well, I, I just wanted, it was more big picture stuff. So I don't want to interject. You can maybe answer this after you talk about the, the events itself. I just, what does SRX go from here and is it here to stay? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I felt like this year didn't have as much buzz as the first year. And I was kind of thinking about that yesterday when I was at the track, like what, what's kind of missing from this year, um, that last year had, I mean, first of all, the new, the newness factor of last year, I think people were in, more into it and they were talking about it every week, but for much of the season, you know, yeah, you had Matt Kenseth join and you had Ryan Newman be full time and things like that. But I don't know, it just, it didn't like have, I, I think what, it's, it's great to have the older NASCAR drivers. I mean, it's cool to see, Hey, there's Biffle and Labani and Newman and Kenseth and Tony Stewart, uh, Michael Waltrip. And then you have, you know, these older type 
IndyCar drivers, although they've still been around, obviously. I mean, they're still relevant, whether it's Elio or Tony Kanaan, Ryan hunter Ray, Marco Andretti, um, people like that. I mean, that's cool, but I also think you need to get more of the young blood in there. And I think what made last year compelling is like, hey, there's a Doug Kobe who goes in there and beats all of them. Hey, there's a Luke Fenhouse almost beat all of them and Ernie almost Francis. won that race. Ernie Francis was a factor, and he won only got race. to do a couple races. Yeah, he won a race last year, only got to do a couple races this year. Um, it was cool to see, hey, you know, Labani won a race, and you could tell how much that meant to him. Uh, like, he's like, you know, hey, still got it kind of thing. Ryan but, Newman. Yeah, that was a really cool moment with his girls. But you can't just always have just, oh, it's the same thing every week. Paul Tracy's pissing everybody off, and it's a bunch of old guys getting mad. I think, you know, it would be good to bring in more of that young blood. They, they brought Haley Deegan back for a couple of races, but she was there last year. So it was cool to have the Blaney element of it, but it was so late in the year. I don't really think that. And, and by that time they didn't have any cars last night cause they had torn up so much stuff. I mean, in the driver's meeting, Don Hawk is telling everybody, look, the only cars on the property are the ones that we have no spare cars. If you guys get in any wrecks in practice or the heats, we have no spare cars. So you better babysit your stuff. Cause we have two more wreck cars that are still at Ken Schrader's shop in Missouri from last week. And we, we don't have any recourse here to save it. So, um, unfortunately then when, you know, Blaney flies in, uh, from, uh, Pocono and immediately gets in a wreck, uh, Ryan, that is not Dave. And, you know, he had to miss both heats and all that stuff. And it was like, you know, they had to, they, they were lucky to fix his car and get him back out there at all. But that kind of took away some of the, I think, hype from the event because everybody built it up as like the battle of the Blaney's. Um, so you know that, I don't know. I, I'm not sure how I would fix it necessarily, but, um, you know, I think sprinkling in some more young drivers, uh, you know, up and coming guys might help if that's possible, like get a Noah Gregson in there, you know, somebody that's going to spice it up and, you know, Hey, I'd love to see Noah Gregson go head to head with Tony Stewart and see if he pisses off Tony. You know what I mean? No. What are Denny Hamlin and Ross Chastain doing? Let's get them in race cars. Yeah, put Ross, I mean, Ross Chastain, you know, you, you've never seen him go against, you know, guys yeah. that you've never seen go against these people. I think that would be. You want like a cool. mixing of generations, old and new. That's the best way to describe it, I think. Yeah. Now, I do want to touch on this. Um, uh, well, first of all, Marco won. Uh, he wins with a broken wrist. He told me afterwards, like, he was seeing stars the last few laps because uh, whatever the second to last, their last wreck that happened, I can't remember who caused it, but he got his hand caught in the wheel and he felt like his rip, wrist snapped in half and it was just going click, 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 click the last few laps. And so, um, as he was trying to drive around those last laps, like he was in so much pain, he was literally like close to passing out from pain, but ends up winning the championship. Um, but you know, uh, there had been a thread going around or, or, um, I'm not sure. Um, Christopher Leone, I think is his name had pointed out, Hey, in the first race at, um, five flags, the first race, the SRX season, Marco ended up getting three points credited to him uh, that was by mistake. And, you know, he'd, he'd done this Twitter thread going into the race. Well, nobody thought, hey, the championship might come down to that. Um, he ends up winning the championship by two points. So those three points could have been like the difference. And SRX never explained this publicly. So... <laughs> They go into it, and so after the race, of course, Twitter's lighting up. Oh my gosh, this is he's not even the rightful champion. Newman should have won the championship, all this stuff. Well, it turns out, uh, I talked to Don Hawk, the CEO of SRX this morning, and um, 
what had happened was, and, and NASCAR man uh, on Twitter I already had a good thread explaining this before I could even get to it to tweet it. So in that race, they told, so what was the SRX rules are, if you're in a heat and you're asked to pit for like damage, you get your spot back. So SRX had required Marco to pit. They said, we need to fix this fender. He didn't want to pit. They asked him to pit. So they pull him into the pits. He loses his spot. And then they put him at the back instead of giving him his spot back. And that was incorrect. So he finishes the heat for that first weekend and they give points for the heats. Long story short, the next week at the driver's meeting, Don Hawk tells everybody, look, we screwed up. We need to make this right. Cause Marco was really upset. We need to make this right for Marco. So we're going to give him three bonus points that, that he would have had if he finished where he was in the heat. Um, we need to make this right. And apparently Don Hawk asked all the drivers in the meeting, does anybody have a problem with this? No, everybody said it's fine. Unanimously, it was fine. So they add three points to total. However, this is never explained, right? Like there's never anything on the sheets because, you know, the SRX scoring and all that stuff, it's kind of loose. Like it's a made for TV entertainment series. And at the time, I think nobody thought, well, Marco's going to win the championship by two points. This is going to come into play. Like, it's just like, Hey, we'll, we'll give him three extra points. You know, it'll make, it'll kind of fix this. Anyway, it became a thing obviously. Um, but that's the explanation. Um, the bigger thing was probably like Marco, uh, dive bomb Newman and took him out last night of the championship essentially. And then Marco had to, had damage missed like eight laps of the race. But, um, SRX rules are that you can go back and only be a lap down uh, after you've gone to the pits. So he was able to get back into the race, get back on the lead lap and then win the championship. So that's, but again, it's all, it's a made for TV series. You can't take it that seriously. You know what I mean? But, uh, there are rules and the, and the championship fund does pay out. So it matters to the guys and they take it seriously. But that's the explanation I got passing that along to you in case you saw this on Twitter and you were confused about what actually went on. So there you go. Thank you. Did you care about that? I don't know if you cared about that, but I mean, it's fine. I, I have a really hard time like taking the rate, the series seriously, like it is what it is. I think it's a, I'm not trying to like dump on it, but it feels like a glorified exhibition a lot of times. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, I, I think that they, they know like it's a series that has fun flags and it's a series where, <laughs> you know, Tony Stewart has been like, you could see that he could probably win some of the races and he backs off. Like, you know, he knows it's, it's for, it's for entertainment. And, and so. I think the heat thing is convoluted. It's a little convoluted. Like, oh, we're going to have yeah. a preliminary heat, and then we're going to reverse it, and have another one. It's like, you only got 12 guys. Like, can you just line them up and race? Like, figure it out? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. By the way, uh, before we uh, end this podcast, we're, we're getting more information. There was material on the front fascia, uh, for both um, JGR cars, this would affect the arrow. Apparently, their NASCAR is going to take both of them back <laughs> to the R and D center. And because this is appealable, they're not going to talk more about this right now because NASCAR, as it so happens, when there's appeals, they don't want to give away what they think happened. You would probably bet that uh, Joe Gibbs Racing will appeal these penalties we don't know that right now well, why but, wouldn't you got nothing to lose 
Yeah, exactly. Well, except money because it costs money but to that, appeal. You know, well, maybe you know, save the money, sign Kyle Bush. <laughs> uh, yes. Anyway, um, yeah. Wow, what a what an eventful day. Eventful, eventful day. weekend at Pocono, man. Are you kidding me? Like it's you've had you had the Ross Chastain Hamlin thing, the DQs. You had the exciting finish in the Xfinity race, which I, you didn't see it, but the. Ty Noah Gibbs, Gregson. Gregson stuff, yeah. It was really, really good. Like, that was good stuff. So I'm glad to hear that was clean. I mean, I saw the it replay, was. They, but... they both needed that for a lot of different reasons. And it was good to see that they've kind of put that aside. It was that was that was the last 10, 15 laps of that race were phenomenal. Awesome. So, That's great. That's great. I'm eventful newsy yeah, sorry, eventful newsy it. week for NASCAR. I mean, don't forget Chicago and it's been, yeah. <laughs> it's been a week. Was that this week? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I know it feels like forever ago. Yeah. Good thing we have already at least talked about that on the podcast. Yeah, we're, yeah. This one's starting to run along. So I think we're going to go and we're going to get on top of the news and tweet because I bet we have a lot of Twitter replies right now. They're uh, like, are you guys uh, asleep? Like, what's that? I already retweeted. I already tweeted it out so you can just retweet me. Oh, you tweeted it? You tweeted yeah. during the podcast? Wow. You can't multitask? I don't know what, like. Wow. What... It's like, it's like you're talking to somebody and you see them look down at their phone and not paying attention or something. And... We, you and I have so many conversations with each other where we're like, we are both buried in our phones and we're still talking to each other. So don't act all. No, you know. that's you. That's you. I'll be like talking to you and I'll be like, like, I'll have to like start repeating myself because I know you're not paying attention. No, that's not I'll be true. like Jordan. Like. That's not true. Or that I'll just, so not I'll just true. like trail off. And then be like, wait for you to like, be like, oh, did he stop talking? And you'll be like, you'll be still that be looking is, that at phone, is not true. Texting like, your so sources. many times you like, you would literally tell me, oh, sorry, I spaced out. So like, we're having a conversation. No, 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 no. When I say, sorry, we spaced out. That's like, we both stared off into space and nobody was talking like in our car ride from Atlanta I do, I to can, Charlotte. I can be in my phone and have a conversation at the same time and just be just fine. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure your loved ones. Your family, all that appreciate. They have come that to you're... accept that we had to come to Jesus meeting years ago about this, and it's like you don't <laughs> like it. Tough, tough beeswax. Is that what you tell your mom? Yeah, like seriously, like my mom, my mom snapped at me years ago about it, and I just looked at her and said, "This is my job. I want to do it well and to the level I want to do it at. I need to be on my phone at all times. If you don't like it, too bad." <laughs> well, that the that problem with has this, not though, been had with my mom. Is now she like, podcast, calls and messages me though. What? No, no, no. Problem is now she calls and messages me though. And if I don't get back to her right away, she's like, I know you're on your phone all the time. Why don't you get back to me? Good and I'm point. like, I know so I kind of screwed myself to be honest with you. Yeah. Well, uh, all right. We're off to tweet. We're off to, this has been one of the crazier <laughs> podcasts ever. Sorry, everybody. It's been fun. But, uh, yes. Thank you everybody so much for listening. And we will talk to you next time on the territory.